Welcome to the weekly podcast of Upper Room Christian Fellowship in Lincoln, Nebraska. Thank you for listening. So powerful, so magnificent. Many have called these three chapters especially, if you will, the opium, the highest ark of all our faith. Because it speaks truth to us. But the problem is that so many of us throughout church history are not able to grasp the truth. And see, just because a lot of times we don't experience these truths, we become dormant in our faith. Oh, I don't mean that you're not saved or I'm not saved. But see, there's a power here. Just as the power that saved you, there's a power that resonates in you power that will transform you and change you. In fact, I'm getting ahead of myself, but whether you know it or not, you are changing right now. And it's really for us to understand in this change, what is it that we're to do at this time? Because as we've stated before, and I will continue to state, you have somebody working on you that is not going to stop until you are finished. And I don't know about you, but that is probably the joyous thing that I can hear. The person you see now is not going to be the person you're going to see later. And that's the same with you too. I will be finished and I will be complete. And saying all that though, there's something for all of us that are here and now that can be also something that encourages us, but not just encourages us. It helps us to be a part of that change. To experience it now. We're in Romans chapter 6. And if you will, turn there. And then stand for the reading of the word. Starting in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Father, our prayer this morning is that our hearts would be awakened. Lord, that we would listen and hear from your word 
taught by your Spirit, Lord. That we would be able to implement these things, put them into practice, to reckon them to be true in our own lives. And Lord, that the change and the transformation that we all know is going to happen ultimately, we'd also begin to understand and experience the beginning of that transformation now. Lord, we just pray your blessing upon your word, blessing upon our ears and our hearts, your blessing upon this time. And Lord, I ask that you would bind the enemy from any distractions or anything that would keep us from hearing your truth. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Just briefly, those first five verses, if you will, my body of sin has been put out of business. If I want forgiveness for my sins, I must see Christ having been crucified for me. If I want power over sins, I must see myself crucified with Christ. And then, if you will, adding to that, if I want to live in newness of life or the abundant life, I must see myself risen with But where we're starting and launching off is in verse 6, is where we left off. And really, if you will, it's knowing. It's knowing that, or knowing this, or know this. It's common knowledge. You should know this, is basically what he's saying. That the old man was crucified with Christ, and that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. That old man is not referring to years. I remember my dad, back in the 60s, uh, kids were calling their dad the old man. My old man. I remember my dad and us four boys sitting there. My dad looked at us and he said, Boys, I want you to know something. You may call me dad, you may call me daddy. You may call me father, you may call me pops. You may call me papa. But don't you ever call me your old man. That is disrespectful. Now, hindsight, he was right. But it's not talking about years. What it's talking about is worn out and useless. Our old man in Adam was crucified. The old self was crucified with Christ. The body of sin. That old man, that indwelling sin that is personified as a slave driver might be done away with. It means to render idle, ineffective by removing its power of control. Are you hearing this? Because there's so many of us that do not experience this. I'm not talking about sinlessness. I'm just talking about not being driven by the desires of that old Nature, as some put it. Why? So we should be no longer slaves of sin. We have been set free from sin. No longer under its enslavement. For if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. It doesn't mean no longer capable of committing sin, but free from its compulsion, its power, its tyranny. Verse 7. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Picture, if you will, a morgue or a mortuary, probably better. Titian 
has his chemicals there for embalming. And there's a a person laying on the table and he died. What did he die of? An overdose. See, he was addicted to sin. But now he's dead. Even though, if you will, in the cabinet right next to him is all these drugs that he can pull out and make himself a concoction that would take him into Never Never Land. But see, he's dead. He doesn't have any temptation. There's no lurement. He's not in there going, well, man, look at the drugs. If I could just get up and get some. He's not doing that. Why? Because he's dead. That's the picture here. You're dead. There should be no allurement anymore. Look at verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with Him. Dead with Christ, but if you notice, alive with Christ. Jesus said in John 14, Scared there for a second. I thought, oh, did I forget it? And we'll pray that the Father, and He will give you another helper, that He may be able to abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So, in His death... We died with Him. But alive, we're alive with Him. But He didn't leave us as, with orf- as orphans. No. He sent His Spirit to dwell in us. To be in us. To work in us. See, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I which now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now, to be dead... In Christ is usually where we stay. It's awful hard to say dead to me. Because I feel so alive. See, I see myself in that dead body and it's like, whoa. It's just like it's calling my name and it like it revives me. But see, what we want to get to is a reality. A reality of what's really happened doctrinally speaking, but also practically speaking. Remember, I am not saying that we can be sinless, but no more do we have to be enslaved by its tyranny, nor by its compulsions. That we can be free, free indeed. Verse 9, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. Knowing as Christ had been raised from the dead, we shall also, He dies no more, we shall die no more. As death no longer has dominion over Him, same with us. Death, along with sin, rules over the world. People have been trying to cheat death from the beginning. Whether it's the use of false religion, Metaphysics, science, the occult, or just ignore it. So many people try to cheat death by just ignore it. It's almost like that that proverbial saying, if you just ignore it, it's not there. Isaiah put it this way. Instead, 
of joy and gladness, the slaying of oxen and killing sheep. They eat meat and they drink wine. They say, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Live for today. Don't think about tomorrow. Get all the gusto you can now. But Jesus says, and I say to you, actually he said a parable, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God has said, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will, whose will those things be which you have provided? That's where most of us really do live, even in our faith. Oh, we come here Sunday morning, but is it a priority? Look around you. Is it a priority? Oh, we have excuses. But is it a priority? Especially in this day and age, in the day that really the enemy is confusing so many people. And, if you will, villainizing the church. Should the church be villainized? Has it done wrong? Yes. Anything that's done not in Christ is sin. But still, it doesn't take away from what Scripture says. Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. See, as believers in this day and age, this should be a priority. Oh, I'm not trying to convict you. I'm just telling you a reality. Because here we hear the truth. We talk about the truth. But we also sing to Him who is the truth. But also in singing to Him who is the truth, we understand truth that He's changing things. He is in control. He is sovereign. He's in control of all that's going on right now in this world. God's not up there biting His nails. He's not worried about people destroying themselves with an atomic blast. He will not allow that to happen. Now some say, yes. Because during the tribulation period when He gives man His heyday, then there are some that think that some nuclear exchange would happen. But still, God is in control. Fears out there, this is where courage should be built up. Unbelief is out there, this is where faith should be built up. Hatred is out there, this is where love should be manifest. Here. This place. Where God becomes the focal point, where God becomes everything. God is the one we worship. God is the one we adore. It's part of the death. The death of a God. The death of a God that should die because He has no power. He has no strength. He's a fool. See, that God was me. That God was you. I am the captain of my own soul. I am the captain of my own destiny. Not. See, you and I have not ignored the fact that death lurks behind every corner. That it's out to get each one of us. You could ignore it. You could try to cheat it. The truth of the matter is the reality of it. We all go by the way of the dirt. Look at verse 10. For the death that He died, Christ, He died to sin once and for all. 
but the life that he lives, he lives to God. William MacDonald put it this way, died to sin once and for all. He said, when the Lord Jesus died, he died to the whole subject of sin once and for all. He died to sin's claims, its wages, its demands, its penalties. He finished the work and settled the account so perfectly that it never needs to be repeated, ever. He died once. That's all it needed to be done. But if you notice, he also, the life that he lives, he lives to God. He always lived to God, but now he lives to God in a way that you and I can relate to. That you and I shall worship and praise because see now that he lives, he's our advocate, he's our deliverer. He's the forerunner that went before us. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's our good shepherd. He is our high priest. He's the head of the church. You hear that? He is the head of the church. See, if nothing else, why we should get together is because He is the head of the church. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the counselor. You have confusion? You don't know what to do? Have you sought the counselor? He's the mediator. He's the redeemer. He's the resurrection and the life. He is our savior. He is our righteousness. He is our sanctification. He is the king of kings, but he's also the king of the saints. He calls us friends. He calls us brothers. He calls us His bride. He lives for you. He lives for me. He lives unto His Father for all these good things. Which brings us really to where the rubber, if you will, meets the road with the sandals path. Look at verse 11. Likewise. That word likewise in the manner of speaking, is spoken of by virtue of. In the way described, thus so, things having been thus settled, this having been done, you also reckon yourselves. That word reckon, it means numbered, counted, imputed, accounted, Barnhouse says it's to reflect, to think of the results that flow out of the same given fact. Reckon is in the present tense, so it's keep on reckoning. It's keep on seeing these things. Keep on settling these things in your heart, in your mind. Count on it. It's done. It's a fact. Likewise, because of this, it's settled. You also reckon, count on it. It's been imputed to you that yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. You are dead to sin. Why? Because you are dead in Christ. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That word alive means to enjoy real life. It means active, blessed, endless in the kingdom of God. It's the same word that Jesus uses in John chapter 7. Where he says, on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me and the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Alive forevermore. Alive spilling out on all those around. See, if you will, 
It's exerting what God has already declared. Barnhouse put it this way again. He says, true faith, listens, true faith acts on supernatural facts and gets supernatural results. See, we, we lose something here because there's something that I know, just as you know. I hold on to myself. See, I'm damaged and I get it. But it's it's what I know. It's, It's the emotion inside me that dictates to me how so many times I act, live. It's what motivates me. I want to be a better me. So I try. But I fail. Because see, the best of me can't do what's best. So I I struggle with these things. So what I do is I put certain disciplines in place. And there's nothing wrong with disciplines if we understand what we're about to talk about. But see, so many of us, we put those disciplines or those gates up so that we can not, we can't be free, but we can hide. Hide within ourselves, struggles, temptations, failures. But see, what this verse really does imply is something that goes beyond all that. It's to understand something that the death that we died is the worst of me. <laughs> but the life that I now live, that once I died in Christ because that was the worst of me, now I'm alive in Christ and now Christ is doing the best in me. Christ is at work. It's not saying dead to my personality. It's saying death to that old nature. Death to the old Luke. The one that is compulsed to sin. The one that desires to find something in this life because I'm dying. And death and sin has dominion over me. So I crave for things that make me feel I'm alive. And yet all it does is bring death. But see, the truth is is that Christ says, no, that's exactly what I've delivered you from. You're free from that. You've been crucified with me. But now you've also been resurrected with me. That's why Paul says, the life I live now, I live in faith in Christ. Why? Because it's a whole new thing. He's not trying to put me to death. No, no, just that old part of me that compulsed to sin. But now the new nature, that new divine nature that He is working in and through me, He's changing me. And as as I see that as a fact, as a spiritual fact, and I act upon this, now there's a change that is now becoming more and more apparent in my life. The truth of Christ in me is now being manifested. 
Yes, it's all His work. But if I could just grab hold of the truth is, is that work that He's doing is in me. We're not all the same in heaven. And sometimes that's the thing, mentality we get. In fact, that's kind of what the world is saying, that the church person is in this little cubby hole. No, that's far from the truth. The truth is, in Christ, the box has been opened. I'm not enslaved anymore. I'm free. And in that freedom is now the me that is being transformed. I'm being changed into the image of Christ. What does that mean? We're all going to be Christ-like? Yes. But also, no. What I mean is your personality doesn't disappear. Who you really are doesn't completely go away. No, now it transforms. See, He who made you, made you unique and wonderful. Perfect. Because that's all the Father does is perfection. But see, in sin, in this world, I died, if you will. I was separated from God. I became His enemy. Why? Because I became self-absorbed. It's all about me. But you and I have come to the understanding that I need more something more than just me. We've come to Christ. See, by faith, I confess that Jesus Christ died for me. Now it comes to the same fact that I died with Christ. but I also now live with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, the verse 5 verses, He made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which once you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others but God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. In Corinthians, Paul will go on to say, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. And then Peter goes on and says, By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians 1-2. See the work that God wants to do in and through us. He's doing it. But see, the transformation that can happen in this life, you and I have to partake of it. Embrace what God has done. To accept it by faith. If you and I do this now, 
then the change becomes more revealing. But the truth becomes more powerful. Yeah. See, the abundant life is the understanding that I'm old, ugly, selfish. Words I won't even describe. Luke is dead. The hope and the life the joy that I have now being alive in Christ brings the fullness of Christ in and through me by His Spirit working in and through me. The wonder, the beauty, the light, that you crave, that I crave, comes by saying no more. I'm going to stop fighting you. I'm going to stop listening to every preacher that preaches something that is different. And you might say, well, what are you saying? The errancy of the Word of God but if anybody does not hold to that, don't listen to it. God's truth, let it be declared and let it believed and accepted in its fullness and its in its power. For if they preach a gospel and do not believe the power of it, stay away. This is a work of God that has to be understood in the church. If we are to go on in these dark days, that God sees you brand new. And it's up to you and me to begin seeing it through my Father's eyes. Not mine. To accept His truth. To reckon it. Now, let's talk about reckoning in it. In the deepness of it, okay? Paul is saying, is seeing all the truths that we've been talking about, you've just been put to your account. To live this life in a godly fashion that God so desires for you and I to live in closeness with our Savior, God has put an account for us to say it's all yours. To live the abundant life, to live the crucified life is one thing. To live the crucified life is right. I can't tell you how many authors I've read about that. And I've read it and I've read it. And it's true. Crucified life. The thing is that we always miss is it's also the resurrected life. I've been crucified with Christ, but I also live with Christ. I'm alive. I'm alive in Him. And see, what he's done is this. He goes, marvelous. Now I give you my spirit. I don't leave you as an orphan. And my spirit will teach you these things. But as we're going to learn next week, it's about us not only believing it and accepting it, but it's also yielding to it. Now, my Lord, 
my Lord says to me, I am going to walk with you through this. Teaching you how to be more selfless. And more God. So the change that I'm doing in and through you is not for you to hold, but again, it's the expression of me. In and through you. Now, I, I've given you things to live on this earth. I've given you power. I've given you love. I've given you forgiveness. I've given you everything you need pertaining to a godly life. But you must withdraw from it. You must take me at my word and withdraw from it. Regardless of how you feel. See, this is a hard issue. He said, know this, gave us doctrine. Now he's saying, reckon this, know this hard issue. It's not about your emotions. It's not about what you feel. It's not even about what you think about yourself. It's what God has declared. And it's to say, I accept it. How many of you can say, I've accepted faith in Christ and I know that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. It's just all this other stuff just becomes so hard for me. If you will, that'd be all of us. But it's to understand that the truth that has been given to us through the gospel message is also in our life. To ask for forgiveness when I sin, yes. But also to accept the truth of His love. Of that sin no more has power. That I am a child of God. That He has given me everything I need to live the life that He's called me to live. I just believe it. Regardless of how I feel. I know these things to be so. And the church says, Amen. I know. I'm going on some ground that a lot of people don't like to touch on. But see, it really comes down to that. It's by Christ. It's with Christ. It's in Christ. It's for Christ. See, by Christ, He died for me. With Christ, I died with Him. In Christ, He lives in me. For Christ, I live for Him. The union and the fellowship with my brother, my Savior, my Redeemer, my groomsmen, all these things. Say Amen. You would. I will finish here. You will stand. I should say, if you were a believer in Jesus Christ, will you stand?
If you can say that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I know some of you can't stand that. I won't. Then just really as a declaration of your faith, declare these things. So if you would, repeat after me. I want you to just, we're going to stop at each one. I want you to really just let it go into your mind, down to your heart. I am forgiven. Are you? Sure didn't sound like it. I am forgiven. Well, think about that. Remember, God sees yesterday, today, and forever. That means everything. I am a child of God. I am loved. That bears repeating. I am loved. I am dead to sin. I am alive in Christ. Christ lives in me. I live with Christ. Christ will never leave me. His work will be completed. I live in newness of life. I shall walk with Christ. Father, my prayer is for each of us, Lord. The message again becomes something that we all have to chew on, that we all have to accept. Just as we accepted the gospel, this is the gospel truth. We each have been born again. We each have been loved and are being loved and will always be loved by you. We've all been forgiven of the past, of today and forever. But the work that you're doing in each of us will be complete. 
My prayer is for each of us now that we would live alive in Christ from this day forward forevermore of accepting this truth that truly you've called us to an abundant life. We know these things to be true, Lord. My prayer is that our hearts would receive and our emotions would be silenced except to praise You, to give You glory, to give You honor, to give You thanksgiving, and to love You. I pray for this body that You would do Your wonderful work in and through her by beginning to do that wonderful work in each of us. Spirit, have your way. Lord, continue to show us the way. And give us the courage to continue to walk in the way. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 